Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with another episode of College Prep Genius with Jean Burke on the line. This is episode 52, all about standardized testing. And uh, Jean, you actually did a program similar to this one uh, for uh, Fox News. Uh, you are a contributor, and it was, what was it, the Fox uh, Family? What was the program? It was Fox on Family. Oh, Fox and Family family. There we go. Uh, with with Lisa Brady. So exciting that you get to be on those shows. And you're going to do kind of like an abbreviated version of that here. Um, and we've got a few more um, things we want to cover, and especially because this is uh, focused on homeschooling. So a lot of times uh, people ask, uh, should they or shouldn't they do, uh, should they or should they not do standardized testing um, and we're going to jump into that question in just a minute, but I want to um, ask our listeners to do us a couple of favors. The first is to go to collegeprepgenius.com and subscribe for that email list because you get some amazing things when you do that, and that would be a great thing. So tell them what they get. Sign up for your email list. Well, when you go to my website and you sign up for my e-newsletter, you right away get a free report called Goodbye Student Loans, Hello Free College. And then you will get a subsequent five more free reports over, you know, a period of time. You're not going to be slammed in your email box right then and there. But over a few weeks, uh, it goes into uh, things like 20, the 21 uh, secrets uh, to uh, test success. I've got one all about the bad test taker advice that you, most people have probably heard. And then, I, and then I break down the types of testing. Reading sections are not about reading, and math is not really about math, and writing is not really about writing. So it kind of clears up what these standardized tests are all about, which is great since we're going to be talking about that today. So just really important information that you may not know, and if, if you've been misled or had some misconceptions about it, hopefully it clears that up for you. Wonderful. So that's exciting. And then also the second request is if you listen on iTunes or any kind of podcast app, please go and give us a five-star rating. We're going to brashly ask for the best. If you think it's four or three stars, do that as well. But give us a comment and and let Jean know how much you enjoy uh, this class. Jean, you have been uh, doing college prep for such a long time. And when I first went to your website, I have to admit, I was in sticker shock, not because um, it was so expensive, but it was because it was so reasonable because I was getting ready uh, to pay for my uh, youngest three like I did for my oldest, uh, second oldest child that went to college. My oldest decided not to. And uh, the program I bought for her was uh, $1,500, which now is a lot more money. And I can't say that uh, she aced the test. Um so when I went and looked at your website, it's so so darn reasonable. So everybody should be flocking over there and looking at that. 
But first we want to discuss uh, what standardized testing is all about. We did another podcast on um, is standardized testing here to stay, and it really is. Uh, so you're going to explain just a little bit more um, for the listeners who maybe will later go back and listen to that podcast, but just explain uh, for us what a standardized test is and why it's important for it to be standardized. Well, the thing about standardized testing is it's not going to go away anytime soon. And ironically, just yesterday, I got a, uh, a an email from a lady who's hosting my class in, one, in her city, and someone uh, posted on their group, hey, homeschoolers don't need to take the SAT anymore. It's It's been removed for homeschoolers. And I thought, wow, I mean, not only is this person completely 100% wrong, but the people that know this person and believe them are going to find themselves in a big pickle in a couple of years when they get ready to go to college, their kids, and they say, well, we're homeschoolers. We don't need the SAT. And they're going to go, what? Of course you need the SAT. Of course you need to take a test. Nope. Nobody gets out of a test. You know, and, and, and if, if I was going to look at it in a, in a broader picture, I would say that's complete discrimination. You know, mm-hmm. why would a homeschooler not have to take it as a, and everybody else would? I mean, we would be saying the same thing on the other, if it was a shoe on the other foot. So I think there's a lot of wrong information out there. You know, when you talked about me being on Fox, uh, Fox and Family, it's, you know, my audience is completely different there. I probably the majority of people are going to be more in the public and private school sector. Um, so, you know, I get to speak to homeschoolers as well, which is which is great. But I don't care where you go to school. It makes no difference. You know, if you're going to go to college, you you just can't walk up and knock on the door and say, hey, I want to go here. There, there's no way. Um, you have to take a standardized test like an SAT or ACT. And, and here's why. A 4.0 at one high school is not the same as another. Every school calculates their scores differently. So the only fair way a college can compare all students equally is a test like an SAT because it levels the playing field. In, in other words, it's really the only common denominator or the common element that's basically the same for all students. And, you know, if your child has a 4.0 and a guy down the street has a 4.0 and they look the same on paper, but your child had a, went to a hard school or took hard classes and the guy down the street, you know, went to an easy school, you know, there's no way a college can know. So you have to have the great equalizer, which, of course, is a standardized test. So they're not going to go away anytime soon. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that 85% of colleges admit and give scholarship money on test scores alone. That's how they get their rankings nationally. And so knowing that, and if you're if you're in the need of, you know, if you don't have $100,000 laying around the house, you know, you don't want to spend your equity or your retirement or savings or get into 20 years of college debt, then you've got to know how to take the test and, and obviously get the high scores. So at this point in history, I don't know where that lady got that information. I know there's companies that maybe say that they're an alternative to an SAT or ACT. And even if they were accepted by college, there's not going to be any scholarship money to go with them. So just be careful who you listen to. Don't Listen to people who just hear something from somebody else from somebody else. You really have to go to the source because right now over 80% of colleges still use the SAT and the ACT. There are some test optional schools, 
and I'll, I'll talk about those as we go along. Um, but be, be careful. Be careful what people are out there saying. I think that's what gets a lot of people into trouble and then causes people to be uh, stressed because if they don't do anything and then they get to the last moment and their child's about to graduate high school and they haven't done anything, now they're really freaking out. So, mm-hmm. um, like yes. what are they going to do? Exactly. And th- these tests are here right. to stay. And one of the things is you've listened, uh, if you've been a listener to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm one of Jean's um, biggest supporters and cheerleaders. Um, Mike was saying once again uh, when he came home that he does really, really well with tests, um, and he's dual enrolled at a state college. Um, and, you know, people sometimes look at it and say, well, it used to be a community college, now it's a state college, but there are adjunct professors from FGCU um, that teach at both of these schools, so it is very challenging, um, you know, f- for students. It's not it's just an easy school, but he comes home and he goes, and I use, you know, the techniques I learned um, for the college prep class. So those techniques will take your child not just um, through the, you know, taking the SAT or the ACT, but it also will help a child learn how they look at a question objectively. And, Gene, you really break that down. Um, And so he loves it if there is a multiple Mm -hmm. choice, you know, whereas most kids freak out. And I will tell you, that was one of my daughter's complaints. Now, this is a child who, okay, it was on her own. I'm not going to take credit for this, but graduated from college in three years, magnum sum laude. However, her first complaint, um, the first month of school, was I didn't do enough testing. And so there's the other, mm-hmm. the other, you know, which my kids are really good. I don't know if yours are really, mine are really honest. And I usually, um, when we talk about this stuff, and you can hear I kind of have laughter in my voice, um, as I'm sharing this, because um, th- she wasn't a good test taker, which is one of the reasons that I didn't overly do tests and I didn't do a lot of standardized tests, especially because this particular child struggled in reading. So can you imagine if I sat the two second grader down and had her take standardized tests, she'd be flipping out um, taking them. So we didn't do a lot of testing, but we did um, a lot of reading and a lot of the critical thinking skills that they demonstrated. But as she got older, she didn't take one test. She took three in one year. So when it was time for her to really focus in, and this was, I believe, eighth grade that we did this, um, then she was ready. And she was reading well, and you know all of those little kinks were able to be worked out. And for those of you listening, I'm going to plug another show, and that's uh, Jan Bedell's uh, The Brain Coach Tips, because you can fix dyslexia and you can fix, you know, um, auditory processing and things like that. I don't know if you can hear my dog in the background, and no, I'm not going to edit this audio. (laughs) Somebody must be here. Um, But you can fix these things, and a lot of times, um, you know, parents don't know that. So go check that uh, that podcast out. It's at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. So why or why not? Uh, first, I'll let you comment. Can you believe that about Michael um, and taking the test? That's, that's awesome. You know, I love the fact that you can make these standardized tests a game. You know, you can say, this is a game, and if I win, I win big, and I can win, you know, I can win, get a great 
great uh, chess score. I can get scholarship money. It's true. Uh, you definitely want to, to win at them. And I think that can be done by just understanding the test. And, you know, why do these? Well, just like you just said, you know, I have had students not only, you know, ace, of course, the SAT or the ACT or the PSAT, uh, but listen to some of the tests over the years that I people have told me that they use my program on. Uh, certainly the AP test at school. They're made by the college board. The GRE, which is a grad school test, made by the college board. Subject test made by the college board. Um, the LSAT, the MCAT, uh, the CPA test, uh, the NCLEX, the um, mm-hmm. FBI test, the military test, um, the Hobby Lobby test. I told you that story of, of a lady passing it, you know, after taking, watching, my, after failing it three times and then watching my program, she finally passed it to get a job at Hobby Lobby. Had a guy at the, uh, I think it was the Arizona conference, came up to my booth and said, just want to tell you something. I, I tried to give him a testimonial, but he walked away. He's a very shy guy. But he said, you know what? We have your program. And my job where I work, every every employee in the company was given a what's called a professional performance security test. And he said, everybody in the company fell but me. And I'm like, wow. wow. I said, can you please give me a testimonial video? He, he just said, no. But you know what? The, the reason why I think it's, the strategies and the techniques work is because it's really, like you say, a standardized test follows the same underlying concepts every time. And as you learn how they're standardized and what patterns do they use every single time, that's how you can beat these tests. They are learnable tests. And by knowing that, you can't study, you know, for these tests. You can't, you know, whether a, a, a company charges you hundreds of dollars or even thousands, and I've seen them in the five-figure range, um, and most of them teach busy work, if they're giving you stuff to learn and they're teaching you, you know, more math and more vocabulary, that's a huge red flag uh, because that's not, you know, you, you can't, you know, you have to study the logic behind the questions. So definitely standardized tests are here to stay, and I, I think as a homeschooler, you should be thankful for them because a college could really look at your transcript and say, you know, how do I know you didn't make that stuff up? But mm-hmm. you can't make up the, the SAT scores, you know, and, and right. that's what they look at to validate your transcript. Okay, so why or why not take them? Ultimately, it levels the playing field, bottom line. There, there, there's no other way. And I was just speaking to a guy today uh, who said that, you know, he was, uh, him and his friends were bottom of the third of their classroom. And two of the kids moved and left and went to the school down the street and were automatically top 10% of their school. Now, these kids didn't get any smarter. They just played the game and went to a school that had an easier GPA, an easier calculation of scores. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and I, I know this, I, I know as, as well as you with your children, you know, my kids took some really hard classes, even as a homeschooler. They took AP courses. They took right. biology from a doctor. They uh, took math from a math major uh, who had a master's degree in math. I mean, they took some hard classes. And I knew they were hard, and I knew they made the grades that they made. But, you know, a lot of times people can look at that and go, yeah, all homeschoolers make A's. They all have a 4.0. Well, that's not true. I, I know many, many people who don't give their kids A's or they make them uh, uh, work till they get to the A. 
Um, but we know that, but we have to have some way to show them that we can compete on par with anybody else. And, and by the way, the average homeschooler, this is according to the HSLVA, scores 70 points higher naturally on the SAT and two points higher on the ACT than the average student, just without any prep at all. Wow. That's great. And I did contract with my kids um, when I uh, gave them grades, and that's something I'm actually going to talk about um, in a podcast that I'm doing on VintageHomeschoolMoms.com, and that is on evaluating your kids because at the end of the year we all stress it, right? But if they take a standardized test, uh, that is one way that you can show progress. Um, like I said, I'm not, I was never really big on just giving the test um, you know, until we got to the SAT and ACT. And I'm glad that we didn't do a lot of um, testing because I think that sometimes kids are are set up for failure, not purposely, Jean, but just because um, we don't have that tool set as parents typically, unless, you know, you're Jean Burke and you study it, <laughs> you know, for your kids. But, you know, you what are we going to do? We're going to go to the local bookstore or homeschool conference or jump online and buy something that has the word prep in it. You know, years ago, um, I wrote a book on science fair projects, and, I, and believe me, I do have a point here. And when I was going to write this book, the, what I wanted to do is not tell you how to do a science fair project or what would make a good project. I wanted to tell you what the judges looked for. And that's basically what you've done with this course is you're telling the student what the, you know, the answer key is looking for, you know, what the outcomes are going to be. And if you, if you set your kids up for success, um, and that is in taking this type of, of class, you know, this prep, um, that is the right kind to take instead of, you know, like we did all these these prep books, Jean, at the end of the year, you know, we, we, well, we actually worked through them the whole year and I had that be part of the kids course, but it didn't really help because what it was doing was just having them answer a bunch of academic questions and not really teaching them um, the importance of looking for strategies or techniques or the underlying concepts, you know, so so while it's important, why would, when would you say it's important to take a standardized test? And are you talking about like the Iowa or the the CAT or here in Florida we have um, the FCATs? I think those are important for families who want to see where their kids are at the end of the year. I think most of us parents know where our kids are. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if you're the kind of parent that you know, wants to see it in black and white, then there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that I talk about in my roadmap, and this is a downloadable that your parents can download. It's, it is, uh, if you go to collegeprepgenius.com slash roadmap, I, I give a roadmap for success, a synopsis of what your kid should be doing for, for test prep starting in fourth grade. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is I don't want, you know, your kids in a lot of prep, but it just talks about introducing some logic. It talks about, uh, you know, applying for the Duke tip letter and that sort of thing. And you can actually take what's called the new PSAT 8-9. You can actually take that in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And so that's a really good standardization that can automatically enroll you into the program. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can you can qualify, but that's one way to do it. So definitely look into that. Download that. 
and, uh, you know, research some of those links that I put on there to kind of give you an idea of where to start and what to do. So um, I think it's important as a baseline, not as a stress factor. We never want our kids to feel stress at the end of the year like these school, that these kids do at school when they're faced with all these kind of star tests and tax tests that we have here in Texas. Uh, but it's really more of, you know, what is the baseline of how well you can critical, critically think. So, you know, every family is different, so you have to figure out what's best for your family. Right, and and go from there. Okay, and so um, tell me a little bit more about um, that PSAT you just talked about. What was it called, and how early can the kids take it? It's called the PSAT 8-9. It's brand new okay. from the College Board. They They just came out with it, I believe it was last year. And when you're applying for one of the talent searches, like like the Duke tip letter, Duke University has a talent search, which I'm a big believer in, you know, parents checking it out. Um, the PSET 8-9 is one of the things that one test that the students can take and, and kind of uh, see how well they do as a critical thinker and see if they can automatically get into the program. The PSET 8-9 is something also that you should be taking in eighth grade, in ninth grade. Uh, as practice for the actual PSAT, which counts in the junior year. So I'm going to take the PSAT in 10th grade, and then we can, by the time that they become a junior, uh, when, while the big scholarship money is on the line, hopefully at that point it, it's second nature to them. For us homeschoolers, but, you know, every student, because this is what's going to get them into college and get them certainly some scholarship money. So since your audience is mainly homeschoolers, you know, the great thing about homeschooling and test prep is that you can incorporate it daily and start your kids young, even spending maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day, not a lot of time, uh, but ultimately it's going to carry over. And by the time that they are in high school, it becomes second nature to them. And the, and you can also use it as an elective and call it test prep or test skills. So certainly math is important, science, English. These are all important subjects for our children. Uh, but to be totally honest, none of those things are going to get you a full ride to college. The only thing that's going to get you that full ride is your test score. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, so should kids prep for them um, or does it make it more stressful? You know, well, the bottom line. No, that's a good question. You know, my five P's of success are proper preparation prevents poor performance. And so, you know, if your child is going to take a history test, they obviously study history. If they're going to take a geography test, they're going to study geography. Well, if your child is going to take a logic test, then you've got to study, study the logical patterns that are found in the test. And so I think, to be totally honest, it's more stressful not to study for them because you get there, and if you're, especially if you're a really good student and you have a great GPA and then you get your score back and it's really low, which happens all the time, um, it's going to be very discouraging because I think that you're maybe approaching it as if it was more of a knowledge-based test or something that you've learned in school. So not understanding the test actually is more stressful. So, you, you know, here's the thing. You only get a minute per question. And once you understand the recurring patterns of standardization of the test, you can learn to answer questions in 30 seconds or less because these are beatable tests. And, and it does give you confidence. And learning not only the recurring patterns, but why the right answers are right and why the wrong ones are wrong. 
if if you approach the, I'll give you an example. You're talking about not studying for them, or should you or should you not? If you approach the reading section, the passages, this is what a student's going to be faced with. They've got six passages, 52 questions, and 65 minutes to do it in. So that equates to about 1.2 minutes per question plus six passages to read. Well, students who, no matter whether they're the top of their class or the bottom of the class, it really doesn't matter, they're going to take that and they're going to read every word of the entire passage, which, by the way, is not only too long and confusing, it's purposely boring. And they're going to not only do that, but they're going to run out of time because they're going to try to analyze and try to interpret these passages just like you would do it in English class. Uh, the reading section on the SAT has nothing to do with reading in the sense that it's not about reading the passages. It really is about knowing that there are five types of questions, three types of passages, and the questions are purposely out of order. So you have to learn to identify the type of question and reorder it and answer it in that order. Otherwise, you're, you will run out of time. So that, to me, is more stressful that you don't know that, and you go in there, and all of a sudden you, there may be 12 questions, and by the time the timer goes off, you've only answered five. And now you've got seven blank questions. And so even though you may even have got them right because you spent so much time, but you're still going to not get the best, best possible score because of so many questions that you left blank. So um, I think just really learning to internalize the strategies because they are purposely misleading and the wrong answers look very appealing. So knowing that, you know, you can – literally learn to solidify information and walk in the door and just like your son, you know, make the test fun, make it, make it to where it's not that big of a deal to answer a question quickly because you know what you're looking for. Right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we come back, we're going to answer the question, can bad scores keep students out of college? We'll be right back. With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room, and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally-featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT, You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds. Raise your score as much as 600 points and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit collegeprepgenius.com to know more. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back. This is an episode of collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast where you will find the show notes for uh, this episode all about standardized testing with Gene Burke, and this is episode 52, and you can find it again on the website. So, Gene, uh, before we went to break, we were talking about, um, you know, why uh, should you take an a standardized test? Is a standardized test, you know, what is it? And then um, does studying for it, is it more stressful to study or not? And I thought you had some valid points. But the bottom line is, you know, the the million-dollar question, can bad scores keep students out of college? Well, yeah, that's a good question. And the answer really is kind of a yes and no. And it really depends on the college. 
you could get into college with the bare minimum, but that's also going to hinder you from getting the scholarship money. You know, you obviously want the higher scores. Money is tied directly to your SAT score. All scholarships from colleges are based on rankings because they want to go up higher. So if you come in with a higher score, you can raise up their overall average. So certainly you might get in with a bad score or a very, very low score, but that's probably as far as you're going to get. And then that you could be strapped with, you know, as much as 20 years of college debt. Uh, at, regardless of what college you're going to go to, you have to meet the minimum score to get in. And most of them, if you go to college's website, they have various levels. And they may show you, well, to get into my college, you need X score, but then to get a little bit of a scholarship money, you know, you need a little bit higher. And to get a partial scholarship, you need a higher score. And then to get a full ride, you need X score. Uh, so certainly that's where the money is. And, you know, it also depends on your goal. I mean, if you have $100,000 saved up for college right now and you, you can just barely get into college, hey, good, good for you. You know, that's kind of a an average uh, college, you know, certainly you can get them lower and some higher, uh, as much as two two fifty, as far as college goes. But uh, if that's your goal, but if your goal is like us and you don't have any money, or maybe you do have a hundred thousand dollars saved up for your child, uh, what is it? Wouldn't it be cool if they got a earn a scholarship to go for free, and then when they graduated, you could give that money to them that you saved up as a gift for life to start off, whether it's to buy a mortgage, to get a mortgage, or to, to um, get a house or travel the world or, or whatever. Another thing, too, I think is, you know, bad scores. What, what I see, unfortunately, is in the spring I will get the parents calling me who have a very talented athlete who has received a sports scholarship. They've worked their whole lives. They've excelled. They've won championships. And they'll receive this amazing scholarship to a certain school uh, and then the school is saying to them, oh, you, you, but you have to raise your SAT score. And they're calling me a week before the SAT asking me how can I help them. And I'm really frustrated with that because I really want to say, why are these coaches, you know, telling these students along the way as you're practicing four or five hours a day playing football, soccer, baseball, mm -hmm. whatever it is, why aren't you also, you know, you should be working on your SATs as well. And so, so your bad score not only can keep you out of college, it can keep you from that scholarship that you have worked your entire life for, uh, it's, it's, which is really, really sad. And, you know, even the top-tier Ivy League schools, you know, uh, you're gonna have, if, you're, if your goal is obviously to get into one of them, you're going to need the highest possible score that, you know, that they, you know, that's out there because they don't, they don't lower their rankings. You know, the reason mm -hmm. uh, their score is because they don't want to lower their rankings. Uh, another thing, too, is I think that people need to understand that if you've got a bad score, this is why it's important to start early so that you have time to correct them. You you can participate. Most colleges uh, will allow you to do a super score, and that's where you might take the SAT one time and get a, a great math score, and then you take it another time and you get a great reading score. Then they'll take the high scores from different tests, uh, which obviously will give you an overall super score, a higher composite score, which of course is more money. And the fact that you don't have to send your scores in anytime. That's called score choice. That is why if you've got a sixth grader, seventh grader, they should start taking the test now because you never have to send those scores in until you're ready. So that takes the pressure. You know, we talked about stress earlier. You can take the pressure off your kids by saying, hey, these scores nobody will ever see. 
So you get go in there and get familiar with the test and take them, and then all of a sudden if you get an amazing score or when you get your amazing score or your desired score, then we can send those scores in. Right. And I have a story to tell about that, too. Um, my husband did get into um, several really good uh, colleges for his scholarship-wise with baseball, but he didn't have the SAT for that. So he ended up having to go, um, which he got the full ride to a junior college, and after that he got into a, a really good four-year college because he could show that he could do the work. He just didn't test well. So, um, you know, another back door, but sad because he didn't get to go to his first choices and he did um, get those baseball scholarships. So, um, you know, that is, uh, we didn't have this test back then, <laughs> uh, but it would have been great to have. So lots of good information. So um, how early um is it, you know, as we're talking about standardized tests, how early um, is this a factor? And are colleges only looking at the SAT, or do they look at other test uh, scores, such as the, you know, some of the other standardized tests that may be offered in your um, in your state? What I, I tell parents is colleges are definitely looking for not only well-rounded students, they're looking for well-rounded classes which means they, they want a real diversification, you know, in, in their college. And I think that's important as they promote themselves, uh, you know, as a college that anybody can come to. And the best way to think of it is like this. Think of the acronym GREAT, G-R-E-A-T. Colleges are trying to attract the best applicants. And so to be a great applicant, to be a great student to go to, to a certain school, um, you, it needs to fall, everything that you do needs to fall under the word great. G is grades, your GPA, your, you know, your day-to-day workload that you do. They, they really, they do look at that, not as the number one thing, but they, but it's something that they do consider, even though it can be, it can vary from school to school. Number two, ranking. And of course, you know, homeschools are all number one in their class, but ranking isn't so much as important, but it's just a factor especially if you're going to go to a top-tier school, uh, that, that they do look at that. E, extracurricular uh, programs, like something, clubs and organizations and leadership skills. A, activities, as in your volunteer work, uh, part-time job, community service. And then T is your test score, which by far is the number one thing they look at. So, they, they they want to look at a how can you be a great applicant? You know, they want to know can you handle the workload since, you know, we, we talked about how, you know, 25% of freshmen will drop out of college, 50% of sophomores will drop out, and maybe one-third will end up graduating that enrolled in college. And the number one and number, two, one, number, one and number two reasons why students drop out of college is the finances and the workload. And so if you can't pay for it, certainly you can't stay. Or if you aren't used to spending four or five, six hours of studying per class per day, it's very difficult. So these college admissions counselors often look at the whole package. You, you, the, the test score gets you in. It gets you the scholarship money. But they also want to look at, you know, have you been an asset in society and have you been able to handle other things while maintaining a good GPA and a great test score. So I think that, yes, the SAT, ACT are number one, um, but 
primarily if you're definitely going to one of the, the, the bigger schools or more prominent schools, you want to really make sure that you, you are well-rounded. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the session, and we'll have the links on the show page at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. Uh, this is episode 52. And visit Jean on her website at collegeprepgenius.com and sign up for that email list uh, that she has and get that free goodbye student loans, uh, free college that she has, and also the freebies in the subsequent five emails. And I probably butchered the name of that little uh, freebie, but sign up and you'll find out what, exactly what it costs or what it's called. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Jean, for coming on today, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.